You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank, member FDIC. Matthew Lane, I almost wore that shirt today. I just want you to know that. You should have. You absolutely should have. I don't know why you wouldn't have. Um, if I, if I had known that you were wearing it, I would have, for sure. This is how you know it's still preseason. We're still having communication issues. We're not on the same page. Um, it's just, you know, this is why, this is why you got to get the reps in right here. This is it, Craig. This is why we get the reps in so we know without having to talk what page each other are on, and that way we can improvise and work on the fly. Listen, I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> <laughs> is it preseason if we go year-round for no. us? Like we know maybe is it year round preseason? Yeah, there we go. That's more like it. I think some some people would argue that for sure. But uh, thanks everybody for uh, coming in and hanging out, listening. A lot of great content that's been here on KC Sports Network this week. And uh, looking forward to doing this tonight. And then also, hey, we've got the KCSN post game show coming at you on Saturday. A lot of great stuff in between then as well. But yeah, we, we genuinely uh, appreciate everybody that has been supporting uh, all the work we're doing. One more preseason game. We're almost there. We're almost, we're, we're getting close to the cuts, all that good stuff. And we previewed the first two games. We're not totally previewing this game the same way because I think it's more about some of the finishing touches on the roster than it is necessarily, you know, Mahomes isn't playing, probably. In fact, I think Andy kind of made a little sly joke, you know, about it, more or less, when they were asking if the ones in Mahomes were going to be playing. And he kind of, you know, had, had a little joke to say. But we're going to see we're going to see plenty of players that are still fighting for opportunities to play on this football team. We're going to preview different positions and, and talk about them. We got to start with this one, though. The defensive tackle position. It's made a few stories uh of late uh Wait, i believe <laughs> you want to because of danny shelton yes that's exactly mm -hmm. why he's been so good that everybody in the nfl has been talking about him at every turn yes Listen, when you superman dive on a pile you know like mm -hmm. all the way over on the sideline from a nose tackle spot i think that's what we're talking about for at least three four weeks we can probably do a good 40 minutes on danny shelton uh we're not going to today don't tip me but, I mean, and look, we've talked a lot about the defensive tackle spot, and we've talked a lot about Chris Jones this last month or so. More stuff has come up since we last were on the show. Chris Jones tweets the comment about eight weeks, you know, his willingness to hold out for half the season. It just it doesn't seem great. It seems a little ugly behind the scenes. We'll, I don't know how far we're going to get into the Chris Jones stuff today necessarily, but... Tucker Franklin has some great content that he did uh, with Sterling Holmes today about it. We also, I mean, there is some scenarios where Chris Jones will either be missing whole games or be limited in his ability and his availability for a little bit or both. Um, and it's worth talking about what this defensive tackle room looks like without him. And some of the roster decisions that have to be made considering Chris Jones' presence or absence on this roster. So as we're going through some of these you know, potential position battles and stuff, we want to start with this. We want to start with what you do 
without Chris Jones? How do you navigate life without Chris Jones? And we'll speak specifically. Like, let's just, I mean, first off, guys, I mean, schematically, what are you what do you do if 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 you're rolling out without Chris Jones for a little bit of time? Oh boy. Um, okay, well, so I think here's the thing. I saw I did want to actually talk about because I've I've seen it floating around there. Chris Jones is clearly the best player in the Chiefs defense, and he's clearly the most important player. I don't want to not say those things are very much true, and that's not what I'm about to say. This defense, though, is not built around Chris Jones. Chris Jones is not central to Steve Spagnuolo's defense. I think he fits into it very well. He makes a huge impact out of it, but there's a reason they continuously bring in 270-pound defensive ends who play the run well and are less speed rushers that would probably pair with Chris Jones a little bit better, and they focus on some other stuff, and they blitz so frequently. The the crux of Steve Spagnuolo's defense is not Chris Jones is going to go do his thing and we're going to put 10 guys around him to just allow him to do his thing. That's not where it works. It's no, it was no accident that Chris Jones' best season happened to come when he was playing within the scheme more, when he was following kind of the directions of the scheme, doing what the scheme asked rather than trying to kind of make his own plays, trying to backdoor every run play, sliding out of his gap to go make plays as a pass rusher. So again, the most important player, the best defender. I don't think Spagnolo's defensive scheme as a whole is entirely built around Chris Jones though. So like, I just wanted to push back a little bit on that narrative mm-hmm. that I've seen. That said, yeah, it's going to get dicey if he's not there and Charles O'Minihue, their kind of like big ticket defensive free agent that's coming in is also gone for those first six weeks. Like that is going to matter. That will hamper the four man pass rush. That will mean Steve Spagnolo has to go back to what he's done in the past when the pass rush is stalled out and blitz nonstop. I don't think there's anything they can do with the defensive tackle rotation necessarily to cover Chris Jones, but they're just going to, not revert, but they're going to go back into what Steve Spagnuolo had done his entire career with these creative blitz packages and just sending pressure from everywhere at all times to cover up for the gap that they have without Chris Jones. Yeah, that's the schematic thing that I think everybody looks at and just goes, oh yeah, they're just going to blitz. And that's what Spags is going to do. Spags loves to blitz. Spags does not necessarily want to have to blitz. Like he wants that in his in his belt, you know, like in his toolkit, but he doesn't want to be forced to because he doesn't have yeah. the, the engine of the defensive line, essentially. Like when you look at this group, part of the reason why you were okay with the Chiefs spending the first round draft picks on defensive end, giving those guys some runway to develop is because you had a guy in the middle that everybody was going to shift protection towards. I mean, we've seen a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of breakdowns as of late when people are starting to realize it's like, oh, Chris Jones isn't there schematically. What happens here? You know, when they align in those big wide dime packages, the centers always slide into Chris Jones because of course the centers always sliding to Chris Jones. It makes all the sense in the world. That's not just in the dime, especially last year where Chris was staying home, where he was playing within the scheme. I've seen a lot of, oh, he tried really hard last year because, you know, it was essentially a contract year. Don't pay him again because of all of that. Guys, if he was just sack hunting, it would have looked a lot different last year. Mm -hmm. It was playing within the scheme. It was playing the run. It was two gapping. It was doing these things that don't get you paid based on your stats. So, There was a lot of that that was happening. And so when guys were double teaming him, he was still holding up the point of attack. He was still making things happen within the structure of the system. 
They need a guy like that that can absorb those sorts of things. They don't have another one, just period, along this defensive line. I'm a big fan of George Karloftis. I really like what, you know, Felix Anaduke Uzama may turn out to be here pretty soon here. I'm not saying to those guys, hey, guess what? You're going to be catching a double all game long. Go win. That's not where their forte is at this point in their career. They need another guy that can absorb the double, that can still win in the double, so that they can continually get those one-on-ones on the outside. That's what you want them to do. That's how you want them to develop. If Chris Jones isn't there, Turk Wharton is a fun player. I like him. He's coming off an injury. You got a whole bunch of run stuffers then on the interior there. You don't have another guy that they need to double on offense. And so you're going to see the talented pass rushers see a lot more focus on them. And now all of a sudden you could potentially stunt their growth just because they don't get to see the looks that they should be seeing within this defense. Well, I look at, you talked about Tershawn Wharton and we haven't seen him in the preseason yet either. Mm-mm. I don't believe, and we're not sure we're going to Andy Reed. Wasn't uh, he's, he, he was a little vague about the timeline for Tershawn Wharton too. And, you know, who knows what he looks like if he's all the way back, you know? And so that's your best chance at quick wins along the interior is Tershawn Wharton. And then you're looking at a bunch of other guys that profile more as, as one text, as nose tackles, Derek Noddy, Keandre Coburn, Danny Shelton. Those are three nose tackle type players. Now we've seen them play two at the same time, uh, a little bit during the preseason Keandre Coburn, I believe, has played a little bit of three tech here uh, during the during the preseason. But man, that's that's a different type of group that you're rolling out there. You hope that they can play. You know, you hope they're stout up against the run along the interior. Like that would be nice to have. But yeah, it's there's going to be a lot of pressure on George Karloftis, Felix Anudike Uzama, Mike Dana. Joshua Kando, maybe BJ Thompson, maybe like you're going to need some of these, your depth along the defensive lines getting tested very quickly. Let's talk about that defensive tackle position real quick though. Well, I also, I did want to interject too. I mean, as far as like the solution, just go watch the 2016 and 2017 New York giants. Hmm. They didn't have a Chris Jones defensive tackle. They had two big guys, Damon Harrison and what Jonathan Hankins first year. The Mm -hmm. next year was still snacks. And then they brought in Dalvin Tomlinson. And I mean, yes, that's a better defensive tackle rotation than what we're talking about the chiefs using, but the concept is the same. It's two guys that are definitely bigger, clogging things up, stuffing the run and letting the blitz and the defensive ends get after it. Now, the Chiefs don't have an Olivier Vernon or a JPP as of right now with the young pass rushers, but still, you look at those teams, the most sacks that any single player had the year was eight. It was just a bunch of guys having four to eight sacks throughout the year to force this pass rush and then getting good coverage on the back end from a lot of really good post-snap rotations, from a lot of safeties dropping into different spots, confusing quarterbacks, and then bringing pressure from different spots. Like, this isn't something entirely out of Steve Spagnuolo's wheelhouse. So I just think people have to keep that in mind here. They will be, yes, there will be times missing Chris Jones sucks and it is not going to be fun to watch. I don't want to say that's not true, but if you see the chiefs, if Chris Jones isn't there, slap out there at Derek Nadi and a Danny Shelton, they're at Derek Nadi and Keandre Coburn together on early downs. 
they're probably going to stop the run relatively well or at least get put the linebackers in position to do so. And then you just hope these young pass rushers can turn it up. And I don't mean someone's going to come out and match Chris Jones' 15 sacks, but if you get an eight from somebody and a six from another and you get some linebackers coming in with a handful, like I just think there is proof of concept of Steve Spagnuolo without a stud three tech in the recent, you know, recent history that we've got to rely on here. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're stuffing the run well on first down, obviously you've got to get an offense that's willing to run into you know a heavier defensive tackle rotation. But stuffing the run well on first down, second down, getting yourself in those third and longs, guess what doesn't matter quite as much as a three-tech position in Steve Spagnuolo's defense? It's the dime defense. Certainly Chris Jones is a crazy awesome player that needs to be in the dime, but we've seen... Mike Dana have plenty of success on the interior there. We've seen some of these other defensive ends kick inside. George Karloftis. We've seen these guys find ways to rush the passer on the interior. That's how you can schematically get there. But you do have to have an offense that's not willing to throw, you know, (laughs) on first downs against those heavier personnel looks. I am excited that the Chiefs have a couple linebackers that have proven to be intriguing blitzers and good athletes leo chanel willie gay jr gonna be fun to see if they you know they dial some stuff up for those two guys i mean leo chanel's a problem like just let him get downhill and start i mean both of them are but the 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 violence and physicality that leo chanel presents like come on sign me up that kind that could be kind of fun i hope we don't have to see i hope this isn't the case but I do think the Chiefs are going to have to get a little bit creative to some capacity, whether or not Chris Jones shows up and signs tomorrow or not. He's not playing 80% of the snaps in week one. It's probably going to be a reduced role. So you're going to have to figure something out, I think, regardless, at least for week one. The good news is they have a lot of time. Um, I will say I I don't understand. And I'll just before we cut to break, I, I don't understand exactly why. Chris Jones is holding out. I don't know how he's going to make up Brent, all of the money. Brent, no, Brent, it's not going to happen. Brent, Brent. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I promise you it's not going to happen. I just, I, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. I don't know what leverage he thinks he's going to be gaining from this. And I don't, I don't know how it helps him make more money. I think he's, I mean, he's going to lose 10 plus million dollars if he holds out through week eight, Yeah, $15 million. How is he, how is he recouping that? How are you recouping that? Brent, You're not. Brent. Rant. You're not recouping it. So all this contract rant, negotiations, rant, if you rant, get exactly rant, what you rant, want, it's rant. tough. <laughs> I'm just, it's its not going to work. I, I don't understand. I don't think it makes I, sense. Especially since it kills his cap. Like it kills his cap hit, which means that the Chiefs can tag and trade him next year. They're not going to do that if it costs him $33 million to tag him. Like they don't want the, the looming threat of having to carry that throughout the season. So... Him missing that amount of time just does, I, it all lines up for him to be here week one still. Everybody, it yeah. does now. It, it's up to Chris to show up, but like it all lines up for him to still be there because there's not a whole lot more reasons that make sense for him to hold out to Ken's point. And I'll just say this like, we hear all the I'm a chief for life, I love the Chiefs, and I don't, I'm not saying that Chris Jones doesn't love the Chiefs or he anything like that, surface. but I do think. He's hurting all the teammates he loves. He's hurting his chances of cementing his legacy further with another Super Bowl. He's you know hurting a lot of things by not being here now. 
we blew past the natural deadline for this deal to get done in training camp. I know Brett Veach has mentioned week one. That's not a deadline. Like that just doesn't make that doesn't jibe with history. That is historically not. And I'm Andy Reid, I'm sure, is fuming right now that Chris Jones is not there. You can see how sick of answering these questions he are. He wants him in camp. He wants his players in camp. And Chris Jones needs to be in camp. He needed to be in camp yesterday. He needed to be in camp in St. Joseph. And he's hurting the rest of his team and potentially the chances of a Super Bowl. Go get your money. I'm not criticizing you for that. I understand these are contentious negotiations, but at some point you've got to if there's no progress, you gotta go out, you gotta go out and play with your teammates. And he needs to be there soon. We're gonna take a break. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. What is up, Chiefs Kingdom? We've got to interrupt today's podcast to tell you about our friends at Factor. And with the busy season just around the corner, school's starting up, football's starting up, sports are starting back up for this season, you might be looking for some wholesome, convenient meals for these jam-packed days. And Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up with fresh, chef-preferred, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Too busy with your end-of-summer goals to cook but want to make sure you're eating well? With Factor, skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping and the prepping and the cleaning up while still getting the flavor and the nutritional quality that you need. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy to get back to crushing your goals. Refresh your healthy habits without missing a beat you can choose from 34 weekly flavor-packed, dietitian-approved meals ready to eat in just two minutes. And then you can level up as well with their Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection by chefs ready to eat in record time. Treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. I put in an order with Factor. I got a chef's choice, so I'm excited to see what they send me there with uh, Factor. So here's what you got to do. You got to head to factormeals.com slash kcsn50 and use code KCSN50 to get 50% off. That's code KCSN50 at factormeals.com slash KCSN50 to get 50% off. Now let's get back to the show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is funny that one of the most contentious battles in camp right now is the defensive tackle spot, and we've got three nose-type players, nose-tackle-type players that are pushing for roster spots. It's going to be such a tight crunch across the board, and that's what's 
going to be so difficult about this. Like, I think the Chiefs have done a good job building up their 90-man roster. They've been really smart and calculated about taking swings and, and trying to, you know, identify practice players or players that could, you know, potentially, you know, veterans that might be able to contribute in some capacity. And Danny Shelton's been here for a year now. He was here last season. He comes in this year, looks better, looks more slimmed down. By all indications, has reinvigorated his love for football in a different way than it was. And he's pushing for a roster spot. With all the conversations that we're having here about Chris Jones, do you think that they try to squeeze three nose tackle types and especially with Tershawn Wharton? Like there's there's deserve there's three deserving nose tackle types. One that might be able to play a little bit of three tech. Maybe you can put put both of them in there in, in early base downs. And then you've got Tershawn Wharton who's struggling with injuries and, and hasn't played real meaningful football yet. And then you got Chris Jones. There's a case to be made that you keep all three right now, even though it doesn't necessarily make sense. But from a performance talent perspective, just continuing to hold on to as much talent as you can, Maddie. So I think in terms of like a roster construction standpoint, I don't know if three tech versus nose tackle or any of that matters in the Mm. state of where the team is now, right? Without having, or with Chris Jones part being up in the air and Tershawn Wharton being injured and not really knowing what you're going to get from either one of those guys early on in the season, not even just, you know, will they be there on week one, but just not know what you're going to get to start the year. I just don't think that that matters. Like I think right now it's just about making sure they have bodies And if we are going back to what I was saying earlier, I don't think that Steve Spagnuolo's plan is going to be to replace Chris Jones one-to-one with a pass-rushing interior defensive tackle three-tech position. I feel like that would be fighting an uphill battle, you know, in the snow. It would just it's completely useless. Instead, I think they're just going to keep their best defensive tackles. And yeah, I have a hard time constructing this roster and keeping Danny Shelton off of the active roster. I have a hard time keeping him and Keandre Coburn off of it you know, if I'm being honest and I don't know if either one of them can significantly improve their odds, this final preseason game, but boy, for a guy like Danny Shelton, if he goes out and plays good again in this final preseason game, the chiefs are going to have their hand forced. I don't think they'll be able to sneak him onto their practice squad waste play. Cause he's in, he has proven he can play in the NFL before he's been in multiple systems and he's put together at that point, three quality games. That's a guy that usually you can't slide onto your practice squad. Like you can younger guys that other teams don't know. So like, he's a guy that I think really could have, I don't know if it, where his stock is right now, but he could make it really hard to try to put him on their practice squad with another good game. I mean, I was joking up at the top of the show that, you know, everybody's talking about Danny Shelton. It's not that Danny Shelton's not being talked about by national media. Like there are people that are noticing him that are just like, yo, this guy looks good again. Like, you know, this was a former first round pick. This was a guy that had a lot of hype around him coming into the league. He's a nose tackle, an athletic one for a nose tackle at the time, and just never really panned out in Cleveland, didn't really, you know, find his way, hangs out on the practice squad. Now all of a sudden, he looks like he's in shape again. He looks like a guy that, you know, looks closer to that first round pick than maybe he did before. I don't think that there's a way that a guy like that can make it through waivers at this point. I say that every year. So, you know, don't get me wrong. And they do, but you know, I, I don't think there's a way that a guy like that can make it through waivers. And we talked about this a little bit earlier this week. He looks better than Derek Nottie. Keandre Coburn looks better than Derek Nottie. Derek Nottie's the starter, and we know this. But as we referenced, 
if you are not going to have Chris Jones there, if you are not going to be able to play, even if Chris Jones is there week one, let's say that he signs a giant contract, he still shows up week one, he's probably not playing 100% of the snaps. You need guys that can eat snaps on the interior there. And right now, Danny Shelton looks as good or better than anybody else that they could line up on the interior and rush the passer, which I never thought I would say <laughs> any point this offseason, and play the run really well. So at this point, I would consider him a top two guy. And I'm throwing Turk Wharton, a healthy Turk Wharton in there, a top two guy along this defensive line. I don't see that there is a way that they can move on without him, even though he is clearly a veteran. He's not the future of the position, but with the roster construction, with the threatening of the holdout, with the injuries there, I just don't see that there's a way that you can let him hit the street. Uh, I will say, I just double-checked, John. Uh, his uh, Danny Shelton's service time, I believe, allows him to become a free agent. So he won't, I don't think he'll actually have to go through the waivers process, Ooh, too, which okay. makes it even worse. Gotcha. Yeah. That which is like I just yeah I just double I just double checked it so he's not gonna have to go through waivers either I don't believe I don't know if that's a good or bad thing you know I feel like it's probably a bad thing there's well, a, it's a so free market my, my only thought would be the Chiefs have a couple DBs that might head to the yeah. IR so if you need to put them on the 53 man to then put them on the IR afterwards and then like literally tell him that he's coming right back yeah. you have that opportunity so the Chiefs like that's the one way it could be good I'm sure we'll get to DBs but. There's a couple guys that might be IR bound, so I guess you could finagle the roster a little bit that way. Yeah, I I think there might be a couple veterans. I mean, and here's the thing: I'm not looking. I'm not going to go out of my way to say like I think this is going to happen, but like you hear what Kansas City has meant to Danny Shelton and what it's meant for his football career the last year and a half, he might be amenable to something like that. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he's amenable to something like that if need be. But and that's one of the players that you could potentially do it with because uh, he will be just a, a free agent and available to sign with anyone, which means the Chiefs could potentially, you know, maneuver themselves uh, to, to keep him. So that'll be something to watch for sure. Um, let's go to the wide receiver position. You know, I know that's Ooh. that's another one. Um, seven receivers, six receivers. And, you know, like there's some there's some names competing for those opportunities. You heard the emphasis again since we've last talked about special teams. Andy Reid, you know, talking about the the special teams um, side of being at the bottom of the receiver room. It it brings a little question. Like, I, I love Justin Rosh. I, I called him Sharpie. I still strongly believe that. But, like, special teams is going to be something we need to pay to, attention to in week three. Or who's getting the opportunities? Who's performing well in special teams? because that could give you some context clues to the bottom of the roster at the receiver position, Maddie. I mean, I don't... So my one thing with the wide receiver spot is if we're talking specifically about this final preseason game, I don't know if there'll be much to glean from it specifically, right? Like, I don't know right. if there's anything any of these wide receivers could do outside of being injury, which, you know, knock on wood, that doesn't happen, but that any of these wide receivers could do anything so good or bad in this one final game that is going to impact their standing. That being said, yeah, I think it's entirely worth it to keep our eyes on the special teams units and see what guys like a Justin Ross maybe looks like on there. Is he playing? One, how much is Justin Ross playing? That might actually be kind of mm. worth monitoring too. Although he's a young guy, if he plays a little bit, I wouldn't I wouldn't be worried about it. But if they have him running down on special teams all game long, I think that probably tells you right there that they either A, 
think he needs work on it or B want to continue to evaluate him to see where his standing is. Like, I think something like that is worth keeping your eyes on. I, I think the top seven wide receivers are pretty clear. And the biggest question mark is just what would Justin Ross's role be for this offense if he's kept on the 53? So yeah, that's clearly where my eyes are going to be. I think he has made at least one special teams tackle on a kick coverage unit so far in this preseason. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if it was with the first team though, or a little bit later in the game when he made the tackle. So it's just something to keep an eye on. What does his special teams reps look like? Is he just on the coverage units? Cause that is where he specifically will have to carve out a role if he wants to make it. Yeah. It's funny. We, we talk about the need for all of that. I mean, it, it, the guys that are playing, you know, big special team snaps through the preseason right now are Richie James as a returner, Amir yeah. Smith, Marset as a returner, and Justin Ross in kick coverage, not as a return. <laughs> so, I mean, like it, the rest of those guys, like Justin Watts is playing a little bit uh, of vice out there, but in reality, either because they know what they've got for him or they're just like, hey, listen, we got better guys that are doing this. He's not getting, you know, a, these giant bulk reps there. So of the wide receivers, it's those guys that they've been trying out there. And you could argue that those guys are the ones – I think Richie James is in Sharpie, but, you know, Amir Smith-Marset has an outside shot at making this roster. I think it's incredibly slim. I don't think he's outplayed Justin Ross by any means, but if you had to pick another guy that's not Nico Remigio, who is you know, probably going to IR, I, if, you're, if it's another guy, it is Smith-Marset there. So I look at this a little bit. If Justin Ross is going to be out there playing a ton of special teams all game long, it means that they clearly feel like he still needs those reps, that they're not super comfortable with where he stands on the special teams depth chart. If you see him go out there, take one kick return, you know, run with the first team off the quote unquote first team offense this weekend for, you know, a series or two, and then they just completely pull him from the game. I think we can sharpie him. Like, I really do. I think that that is enough to kind of indicate it's like, yep, they, they feel good with where he is. They feel good about the reps he got, and they are going to keep seven guys. I I still think it's seven. I Even if it's just, I, I don't know, I, the, the snap count for special teams, it could just, like you said, it could just be getting him some additional work there just to continue to let him get more reps there. Like, it could just be that too, you know, like for a Justin Ross potentially. Um I, I still I still lean seven. Amir Smith Marset is gonna be an interesting I, I think he's on the outside looking in, but if he does what he did last week, I'm just fascinated to see if someone comes calling. I could see that being a, a possibility. Uh some team trying to make sure to secure him because of what he does in the return game and then obviously seeing some of his ability down the field. I mean, this was a guy that this was a guy that was, you know, listen to Nate Tice talk about him. <laughs> You know, like he, he got a lot of listen love when he was day. going off. Nate and I were texting back and forth, he was having a time, he was really <laughs> enjoying ISM listen, going nuts. If the Chiefs want to do him a favor, they just need to quit letting him punt return. Like, that's <laughs> going to be what keeps him off another team is watching him attempt a punt return right now. It's it's a rough watch. The receiving was really good, and like he looked good, he just looked more athletic as a receiver. So, like, yeah, I I bet a guy like ISM is going to get a lot of work in this game because Andy Reid and his coaching staff probably know that he's most likely not making the 53-man roster, right? And so they're going to want to let a guy like him that's been here for a little bit, that's putting in the work, that's helping guys out, get a showcase what he has, and hopefully get a job somewhere else. At least that is what a quality coaching staff does for their players. I do think the Chiefs have that. So like, I would not be surprised to see a guy, someone like ISM get a lot of work 
get a lot of first read plays, get a lot of plays designed for him to showcase his best self so that that happens. Because if you're looking at this Chiefs roster, like a depth chart, they have a lot of young wide receivers that are probably Mm -hmm. stacked ahead of him on the depth chart, even not just this year, but going forward, right? The wide receiver group is pretty young. He would be fighting the entire time here for a fringe spot. So let him showcase his talents Mm -hmm. and maybe get a real contract somewhere else. I I expect to see that. Uh, I I think that's it. And Andy kind of alluded to, you know, they're, they're going to do everything to help these guys get looks too. You know, part of this process is, you know, we're going to, we're going to work on getting you better. We're going to try to help you improve and we're going to give you good tape for not just here, but for somebody somewhere else, because not everybody's going to be making this team. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC sports network. Make sure you download our new app, find it on the app store or Google play. Just search KC Sports Network. Let's move on to the defensive back room. Uh, there's some, there's some chaos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't, it's so funny because we treated it like a set it and forget it position in a lot of done. ways. The second year players are running this thing, like yeah. it, it's good. Yeah, we're just you know, there's there's no, no concerns whatsoever about the the sophomore slump. There's 100% health. I mean, it's 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 just a fascinating group. Safeties and corners, Craig. Yeah. Can I ask you a question really... real quick, Craig? I don't mean to cut you off. Yes. Like before we Please before do. we talk about the amount of players, what are your guys' concern level with Legarius Sneed right now? Oh, uh, I I was actually going to kind of okay. lead into that a little bit. So, right. yeah, I'm glad we'll All just right. start with that. Cut it. Cut it, Tuck. Cut right. it out. <laughs> it's Hey, hey Maddie. Maddie, buddy, we're live. Um Ooh. Ooh, yeah, no, I, I am now all of a sudden extremely concerned mm-hmm. with Legereus Need not being out there when they got back out of St. Joe after week two. I don't think any of us expected him to play week three, even if he was practicing. I I was kind of like, OK, let, let's see what happens here. And then he didn't practice and he's still not practicing. This is a more serious knee injury than I think any of us knew or expected and certainly the chiefs would like for it to be that way you know they don't they don't want to tip their hand at all i'm starting to wonder if is legerius sneed going to be on the active roster for week one is this going to be a scenario where he is one of the ir players and they bring somebody back from their cut list you know we we've been talking about ways to sneak guys in and keep other guys around is legerius sneed an ir candidate here because not practicing for this long, being as banged up as he is. Obviously, that knee needs the rest that they're giving it because they're doing all of this thing. They want him to be healthy in January and February. I'm almost to the point where I want him to completely back off and let that guy rest because I am a little bit worried about what that's going to be, not just this year, but long-term. They've identified him as a guy that they'd like to keep. I don't want to ruin that knee, create more problems going forward here. I don't want to go entirely off the rails here and kind of go on this tangent, but like Legereus needs going to be 27 next year for the season. He turns 27 during this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He's not as young as I think we would like to believe as fans, right? Like I don't think he's quite, I don't think he's quite that young. So if he's a guy already dealing with injuries and about ready to be at that age group, like you're hitting him on the, like at an age where you would like him to be in the 27 in the middle of his big contract, 
You don't want him to be that when you start to pay him big money. They're already having to hold him out with a potential knee injury. We have seen him get dinged up almost every single year so far because of the play style. And unfortunately for him, it's been a lot of shoulder stuff with the way he has tackled or just landed trying to make pass breakups. It's just, I don't, I don't know long-term if the chiefs are going to be in a position to pay him a lot of money in that spot. And then like, just even going into this year, like I said, I don't want to get too far down that road because that's a scary thought. But then you look at this year, he hasn't played. They just haven't had to play. We just, we talked about after the Cardinals game, they were putting Shamari Connor in the slot and with a nickel with the first team, whether that was specifically to keep Trent McDuffie out of the slot because they might be going up against a run heavy team and they didn't want to make him deal with tackles. Maybe they're trying to protect Trent McDuffie's health a little bit because he's a smaller guy. They don't want him banging into everybody because Legereus need is already kind of a game time decision. Like, I don't know what's going to happen just with him. And he's such a key part of the secondary. And that doesn't even get us into the Nick Jones injury, who's another IR candidate, just broken fingers, I believe, in his hand. That shouldn't keep him out all year. But if you want to put him on IR after making the initial 53 so he comes back later, that makes sense. This DB room is all over the place, and I, I don't know. Without Legereus Sneed and Chris Jones and Charles Aminahue, the start of this year could look uh, a little wild. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Luckily, luckily, Legereus Sneed will still just be 27, so Brett Veach is fine with paying him money <laughs> after this season. He's not 28 yet, so he, he can slide a second contract. 29. Go ahead, Ken. No, it, you're right, and I'm looking at guys like this. It's, you know – you have to be on IR for a minimum of four games. So you're looking at some of these guys and maybe they're they're trying to hold on to a Nick Jones or a Nico Remigio or a Legereus Steed. Those are all different players that if you try to keep them on the 53, if you put them on IR, they can come back after four games. I'm just going to throw this out there because you could, there's the Blaine Gabbert, Danny Shelton, Blake Bell, even Jarek McKinnon technically all eligible to be released, come back, sign. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could just, just chill out for a couple of days and come back to the team. Yeah, yeah. It's like a there. There is a possibility. Like they have some veterans. I think they could probably kind of play this game with to put some guys on IR, on IR and potentially hold on to them. Um, I this could be a, this could be a wild fifty three man cut down. And especially like, you, you keep looking at some of these places, these roster crunches. I saw someone asking about Echo Boydo. Uh, he's another guy like it's going to be tough to keep him off. And it's also going to be tough to keep him. I think, I mean, he's played well. The pathway <laughs> seems open though. Right. I mean, like it does the corner room. Look at the corners. Like who, who's making it over him. Once you get past, you know, Sneed McDuffie, Watson Williams. What's next? Connor. Connor, I think I think Connor no, no, running with the ones. Yeah, we're yeah. sorry. I was going with corners though, just straight up. Oh, corners. gotcha, gotcha. Like okay. you get four corners. I don't think the Chiefs feel. I don't think the Chiefs see Connor or Edwards or Reed or Cook or Bush yeah. or whatever safety as an actual corner, as like a Tyron Matthew slot yeah. defensive back full time. Correct. So like, correct. They got to have more than four cornerbacks. If Nick Jones isn't healthy, especially if we're unsure about where Legarius needs health is, which cornerback is up? ahead of Echo Boy Doe at this point in time. You look at the rotation, him and DiCaprio Boodle have gotten on the field bef- a little bit before uh, Halasi has. And then we're kind of it. Like after those guys, we've run out. And it seems like Echo Boy Doe, at least in the preseason games, has been better than the other two. 
right? Mm-hmm. At yeah. this point. So like, oh, it, yeah. it kind of seems hard to keep him off the roster when you look at the health of the room and just the sheer number of corners they have. And I think it's also worth noting here uh, in preseason week two, uh, Echo Bordeaux was running with the twos. Khalif Halasi was not. And that was that was the second team rotation last time, you know, in preseason week one. So they obviously at least identified in that game, and this could just be Steve Spagnuolo sorting some stuff out, working some things through. But I think he makes sense. And yeah, it is that Nick Jones injury that kind of clears the path there. They really liked Nick Jones. I think we all know that they really like Nick Jones and Naze Johnson. If you would have told me, you know, before both of those injuries happened, hey, what are the chances of, you know, EBD, Echo Bordeaux, making this roster? It would have been 0%. Like, they, they really liked those other guys there. This has cleared that pathway. He is playing special teams. He is on this roster for a reason. He's shown it. Like, he he's looked good. It's not just like, hey, other guys got hurt. We got to fill this. He's earned this spot. Don't get me wrong. But they've definitely been trying out other things, trying to see who he fits with, trying to see where he fits. But it's always been the second team reps so far in the preseason. And I just think that 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 just screams to me, especially on a team that has Legereus Sneed that can play in the slot, you know, Trent McDuffie that can play in the slot, Chamari Connor who plays in the slot. I, I think you've got maybe a need for a guy that, plays physical enough on the boundary. Again, not the biggest guy out there, but plays physical on the boundary, is willing to come up and hit, willing to play physical at the catch point. I think you want a guy like that on the boundary. So I I just think he makes more sense than maybe any of the other guys that they could add to the DB room. The thing with, we talked about it on Monday, Echo Boido, Khalifa I think for Echo, it's, you know, there's some size concerns. But both of those guys, it is going to be special teams, too. I'm curious to see what we see with both of them on special teams. Do they keep six cornerbacks? Do they keep five safeties? I look at Echo Boydo, Khalif Halase, Dion Bush as all guys that are in a group of players mm-hmm. that how you want to finagle the group, it could matter. Now, if you're trying to keep Nick Jones... You know, put him on IR immediately, whatever you want to do there. Or maybe they don't. Maybe they're just gonna, you know, maybe he'll be ready sooner rather than later. He'll be able to play with something on his on his hand or something like that. Maybe that's gonna help make the decision. But I think one thing I'm looking at is Dion Bush, Echo Boydo, Khalifalase, because Nazi Johnson's mm-hmm. out for the season. Nick Jones, core special teamers, it's gonna matter. And that's the thing that like if, if you're asking me about those three, I think Khalif Halase and Dion Bush profile better for the special teams purposes across the board than Echo does. Not to say Echo doesn't, but like, you know, he's just a little bit on the small side. So that's something I'm paying attention to is is some of the defensive back special team snaps. I mean, it's going to come down to a lot of that, but I just, you know, this is their last chance to kind of show that. Let's look at the offensive line too. Oh, you want to go? We know you which want... eight. I just want to say we know which eight DBs are making it. Who do you guys do, do? You guys think one or two more make it after the top eight? Let, I mean, let's we... run through those eight DBs real quick. Just Teed, for those McDuffie, Williams, Watson, Reed, Cook, Connor, Jamari Connor, and then Mike Edwards. Yes, right. Yeah, we know those are eight are making it. Do we think they keep one or two more? And who do you guys think they are? They're keeping Nick Jones. 
I think they're keeping you, Nick Jones. Is he going yeah, to the on IR the initial fifty-three? On the initial fifty-three. On the initial yes, fifty-three. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. if they don't, because I think they want him back. They think they saw a lot out so of him enough of enough out of him to know, hey, like we need to keep this guy. Do we think an injured seventh round pick wouldn't make it to practice squad? It's a good question. I mean, yeah, it is. It is. I, I think the hype coming out of camp might have a team that was maybe interested in him as a UDFA. Mm-hmm. Again, the reason that, you know, the Chiefs probably wanted to make sure that they got Nick Jones is because there was a lot of UDFA interest. That's we we hear that time and time again in the draft here. So if there is a team that is very interested and heard the hype around him before he got hurt, and I mean he played in preseason week one and looked Pretty good. Like, it's not that he looked bad. So, I mean, I, I could see him getting poached. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, put, I'm with Kent there. I think that's not. Well, let's put him on there. Yeah. Last one. Do they keep nine or do we think there's a 10th guy? I think there's a 10th guy. There's Where's typically the guy? 10. I think there's typically 10 and it because Legereus Need and Nick Jones might be IR candidates. I mm-hmm. think it'll be Dion Bush just for special Ooh. teams purposes. He's a personal protector on the punt team. I think if you're just keeping an extra guy on the roster, I know we just got done talking about Echo Boyedo, but I think Echo Boyedo has a better chance at slipping through, making it back to the practice squad, and potentially getting added to the active roster as the season goes along versus a guy like maybe Dion Bush. I don't know. I could see him keeping, this is going to sound crazy, I could see him keeping 11 if they feel like they've got good relationships with some of these vet minimums. The Chiefs found good vet minimum players. And this is part of the credit to, to the 90-man roster because Gabbert, Shelton, Bell are all vet minimum. I believe Jarek McKinnon is vet minimum technically or close to it. So they could get cute if they really want potentially, if they feel like they have good relationships with all these guys, knowing they're going to bring them right back, but they're just trying to put some guys on IR. Unfortunately for the Chiefs, there is a lot of players that are on the IR. <laughs> Or potent not or potentially on the IR. Like there are there are several players you could see being put on there. And then you've got the suspension of Charles Amenahue. You've got Chris Jones and his situation. Some weird, some weird decisions coming for this team here. I'm riding with by the way, I'm riding with my email guys. Give me Echo Boy Doe making the I mean, 53 man roster. Yeah, you guys can have the bush. But we're, we're rocking the email. We got EBD coming in there, I think, on the 53 for the for the thinness at quarter cornerback and just not wanting to risk it. I mean, I think that's simply but I think we Deion Bush hit free agency, didn't get a lot, came back to the Chiefs. Are we that concerned? Hey, I believe Deion Bush actually falls under the same thing too. You yes, might yeah, be able to release him. He does. He does. You you like, can cut so, him and he's not going anywhere, probably. Right. Like how many but, yeah. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I like no. him for special teams. I've I've been pounding the table that he makes it for special teams purposes, but I just if you don't know if Nick Jones is ready week one or LeJarius Steens week one, you're really gonna roll in there with just three available corner quarterback cornerbacks. I understand you can practice squad elevate guys and stuff, but EBD's been given a chance to play higher up. Uh, within you know with the twos and getting reps with guys like Jalen Watson and guys like Leo Chanel and Drew Tranquil, these guys that are gonna make the team and play, he played alongside them and he played alongside Mike Edwards. Like I don't know, I just I, I think he's trending the right way. I would say in that scenario right there that you're referring to, as far as you know the three outside corners there, I think that's why we're seeing a lot of Shamari Connor in the slot, like mm-hmm. it, 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 it preparing for hey. If we're going to be without Legereus Sneed, here's a guy that we can stick in there, still keep a lot of our blitz packages, which, as we talked about, are going to be very important with pass rush this year. Keeping a guy like that and then having a Trent McDuffie, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, 
I mean, yeah, it's only, you know, three guys there, but realistically kicking Connor down in the slot gives you four viable candidates. Now, that's still a little bit scary to me <laughs> because you know, he also helps the pass up. rush with no Charles O'Minahue since you know he right. blitzes on fifty percent of his reps. Yeah, that's what I was gonna. That's what I was getting ready to say. He blitzed forty-two percent of the time against the Cardinals. That is not something that you're looking at. And you're like, all right, there's your coverage guy. No, he's part of the pass rush at this point. So it is a little bit scary only having three true corners that you trust to go out there and cover. It's gonna be a weird. It's gonna be a weird cut down day. <laughs> It's going to be weird. I right, another off, you know, another group that kind of needs to get sorted out a little bit and this week will definitely help offensive line. You know, this is a chance for the twos on the offensive line to get a lot of get a lot of reps. I don't know how much we'll see the ones. I know Andy alluded to some of the ones maybe playing, but the the backup offensive line group can kind of get sorted. Some interesting candidates at the tackle position. It's an interesting candidates just up and across the up up and down the offensive line. Maddie, who are you watching the most? of that offensive line group. I mean, like can it's the offensive tackle spot, right? So I overall the offensive line, I think the chiefs are going to keep nine guys. Um, I know they've kept 10 in the past. I'm looking through the roster projection right now. I don't think they can afford to keep 10 offensive linemen this year. Like, I just don't think they're, I don't think they can make it work with some of the other uh, questions and problems they're going to have. And so I think you're going to have to find a way to only keep nine of them. And like, this is where does that come in? Right? Like I'm sitting here and I'm looking through it. Okay. Okay. I think we know Wanya Morris is going to make it, even though he yes. might not be the most ready. I think Prince Tigo Wanogo is a better offensive tackle right now today. He might be better at left or right tackle, but he's definitely better at left than what we've seen of Wanya Morris. If you're looking for a guy to directly back up Donovan Smith because you don't know about his health, he is a guy that obviously was injured last year. He's a little bit older. I would feel a lot better with Prince staying on this roster just specifically to be the backup left tackle. We know Morris is going to make it anyway. So that automatically puts you up to seven guys. It's what other two guys are going to be there. Nick Allegretti makes it. And then it's kind of a battle. It's a battle of Darian Kennard who they drafted and they've moved inside. So he maybe has some positional flexibility or a guy like Mike Caliendo, who I thought has played very well. I thought he's outplayed Kennard, but probably has less positional flexibility. So I'm intrigued to see where they go. You may notice there was a name I didn't say there. I don't see how Lucas Niang makes it. I don't see how this team keeps three backup offensive tackles, and he's pretty clearly the third one to me. He's going to be behind Wanya Morris no matter what just because of the, the draft pick that they just sent out for him. And when I watch him, he absolutely doesn't come close to playing as good as Prince Tiga does. He's not even close, so I don't know where they find a spot for Lucas Niang on this roster right now. I don't think he's even in the competition. I think he's just going out there putting tape for when he's cut and going to another team. If they keep him, I feel, and I, I, you know, this is one of those things. I don't want to talk poorly about a player, but I feel like it's 100% because they drafted him and he is their guy and they're going to give him every single bit of rope they can find. But man, nothing he's done has made me think that he should be in this, this competition for the 53. I mean, my my only counterpoint to that would be that Prince Tiga Winogo has generally looked better than a lot of the tackles that they, they hate him. Why the do roster. they hate him? They hate him because he, he he struggles to stay healthy. I mean, like they yeah. they, they do, and and they they want guys that are available for those back. Hate's a joke line. too, by the way. Hate, hate is a super joke. Yes, yeah, but you know, I I, I do think. You know, they, they kept him on the practice squad for a little while, kept him on the active roster for a little while. They're still doing this dance with him. They obviously, the last game, they tried to swap Lucas Niang and Prince Tiga Winogo to see 
about them as a potential swing tackle candidate as well. We saw them do that with Wanye Morris in week one. A point where I'm going comfortable with Wanye Morris, and maybe they're going to be absolutely fine with if somebody goes down, we have lots of different options that we can turn to. Jawan Taylor playing left tackle. We heard it all offseason. It may have been a ruse. I don't think they're entirely uncomfortable with him playing left tackle. They've also played game a game with Joe Tooney filling in at left tackle. The depth on this team, I think the really good quality depth on this team is on the interior. I think that you keep Wanye Morris and you're able to slot him in wherever you feel comfortable with him, move guys around as needed. I know you don't typically want to do that, but you can get by in a game on your active roster with, I think, the interior offensive linemen that they have and moving some guys around along with Wanye Morris filling in there. I think they can get away with keeping nine and potentially eight. And I know that's going to hurt Maddie here because that How might mean you. that Mike Caliendo might be on the outside looking in his favorite player in the preseason uh, every year. He definitely year. is then. I, I just, I, I could see them trying to skimp at this position, knowing that a guy like Prince Tiguanogo is probably ending back up on their practice squad, knowing what else they have around there. Chu Godrick probably ending up back on their practice squad. If you've got those two guys, Donovan Smith, Jawan Taylor, and Wanye Morris that are in your building, I feel pretty good about the offensive tackle position, even if it does require some movement on game day due to injury. So some context to Prince Tigo Winogo too. He got drafted, I believe it wound up being the fifth or sixth round, and it was because of medicals. The talent justified being Correct. taken earlier than he got taken. So when I look at it in that prism, how many teams actually cleared Prince Tigo Winogo back when he went through all of this? And if that's the case, I two of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's, there's two. <laughs> I just wonder maybe, maybe they are able to get Prince Tigo Winogo through potentially just because of the medicals. Now I feel like they've been more intent on, you know, more intent on trying to keep them historically, but it's, it's worth, it's worth examining too. So like, there's some mystery here and I can't wait to see how it shakes out. I can't wait to see, how this group shakes out and who performs well on Saturday, the final preseason game of the season. That is going to do it for this episode of the KC Laboratory. Thank you all so much for listening. We genuinely appreciate your support. and We'll catch you later. Love you, Kent. You did a great job hosting, Kent. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.